Welcome back to episode 188 of the Blockrunner podcast. Here is where we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel to follow along with our discussion. Another way to stay up to date is by signing up to our newsletter at theblockrunner.com. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Iman, in a very special audio-only episode. And here are some of the topics we discussed today. First up, we go over the aftermath of the release of the Digital Matter Theory Framework. Next, Iman and I express our deep passion for innovation in Web3. Then, how does Digital Matter Theory help foster a new angle of creativity within Web3? And finally, why permissionless experimentation should be embraced and leveraged by all participants. All right, let's listen in. Welcome back to another episode of the Block Runner Podcast. I'm your host, William, always here with your co-host, I'm Ann. What's going on, dude? And on the sticks, we got Javier. Hi. <laughs> a little bit of a switch up today. Yeah. A little bit of a pre-Thanksgiving, Yeah, I guess. A switcheroo. Yeah, because tomorrow is Thanksgiving, dude. Yeah. Quite the need, much needed like day off. Yeah, right? for sure. This has been a lot of uh, a lot of activities leading up to this. Like, you oh, know, really? Like what? Well, I mean, tune into the like I guess the last previous episodes, dude. But right. this probably won't be posted actually until Saturday, right? Correct. Most likely typical podcast day. So yeah, so we re- released a video on Monday. We dropped mm-hmm. digital matter theory, and yes. it happened to be fifty-five minutes long. We didn't intend it to be. No, we wanted it to be, you know, short and sweet and concise and to the point. But even with like our added attempt at trying to, you know, non-obfuscate like the instructions and make things a little more clear from not only a conceptual standpoint, but, you know, the orders of operation to actually participate in these things. Because, I mean, all this is very important, right? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we put out the best version of that as we could. And I mean, the confusion... If there was like a confusion meter yeah. out there as far as like what's going on on Twitter, it's definitely a battle out there. It's right? definitely high. Battle of the minds at the moment. So based on our like, I guess, first couple of day assessment, it seems like it's pretty much split in the middle. I don't know. I would say. It's, it's hard to say like if it's actually 50%, like uh, 50%. Hate, hate and love. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of hate, dude. I, I think the hate is really from like the vocal minority. I don't know. Because I mean, the, the devs, there are creators out there already minting new project tokens that are non-arbitrary. <clears throat> yeah, that's the biggest thing we wanted to see, right? Is yeah, see if anybody else, I guess, interpreted the potential value of non-arbitrary creation and and wanted to leverage that themselves and mm-hmm. see what they can create from it. We've seen some pretty cool. It's only been two days, and yeah, we already saw something of pretty uh, interest, interesting application, right? And now we can kind of extrapolate from that and think of other different uh, models surrounding, you know, figuring out a very specific pattern to a, a very specific, uh, I, I don't know, like field of interest, right? This, mm-hmm. I wish we had it like on display, but basically somebody was looking through the fields of data. is like, how, how can I d- devise a way to identify like uh, t- file types within the blocks? Right. Right. And then that is going to be like the, reference data that generates a fungible token Correct. as it supplies. So if I own block 200,000 and through a specific field of data, I can retrieve how many uh, PNG files exist within this, most likely the witness field. Yeah, I have it right, right? here. So yeah. th- this person, Jilly, he says, today I officially become a bit informaticist. Yeah, this was a big deal for us because it's the first like you know true yeah. proclaimer, dude. I want to do some... 
bit informatics yeah, stuff. He's harnessing digital matter theory. Yeah. And says, I'm recognizing data patterns in Bitcoin blocks according to the digital matter theory. I've registered the following non-arbitrary tokens. Mm-hmm. So he has PNG NAT dot PNG dot 33 element. So he's got SVGs, text, web, and app NATs. These are digital elements I've registered for DMT. This means I will soon be deploying the following NAT tokens on Bitcoin. It's called PNG NAT, SVG NAT. TextNet, and so forth. After I deploy these NAT Bitcoin tokens, anyone will be able to mint all these tokens. This means when you mint one of these non-arbitrary tokens, you're claiming the number of items found in that Bitcoin block. As an example, minting PNG NAT on block 903,000 gives you 30 PNG NAT tokens because block 903,000 has 30 PNG images inscribed in it. That's That's cool as hell, dude. Yeah, so this is just obviously a an example, right? Because that block doesn't exist at the moment. So yeah, correct. Yeah, so I, I agree, and you could devise. I I could think of now different ways where you could create fungible token supplies that have some sort of non arbitrary correlation to, like, some specific art. Right? Yeah, dude, that's you gave such a cool idea. It's like if that art is traded multiple times, the pattern could be how many times does this art exist on an output. Correct. Of a Bitcoin transaction. Yeah. And and if it does exist, it counts as like a fungible token. And so right. if this token keeps getting traded around, this like this art piece keeps getting traded around, then the token, uh, fungible token inflates. Mm-hmm. And so that could represent something for, for a project that re- leverages that. Well, it's like ecosystem growth, I guess. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you don't want to, I guess, inflate the supply of your, your art itself, right? You want to keep it like in a 10K parameter field. Yeah. You want to, if you want to create a non-arbitrary art collection, right? try your best to find like a, a pattern sequence that only occurs 10,000 times, roughly. Yeah. It would be pretty hard to find one like exactly 10K. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's to stay in the ballpark range. Yeah. It doesn't have like too much rapid inflation. But, you know, the token itself, it's it's okay. It's it's like an onboarding mechanism for people to participate in the ecosystem outside of just, you know, holding yeah. the art. That's right. It would be very useful for something like, um you know, Bored Apes, right? They have the 10K Bored Apes, but right. they released their own arbitrary token in the past and, you know, based on really nothingness, airdropped it. But really, you know, you could have it claimable through this non-arbitrary, you know, block drop mechanism that we've kind of released. So yeah, this is just an idea. And overall, this is like the exercise, the practice of bit informatics. That's right. Right. Which to us, I mean, we are very familiar with that because we've been doing that like, you know, amongst our own time for many months now. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so this is a brand new thing. So did you know that we're more than just a YouTube channel? We also built MetaZone, the first app store for the metaverse. Buy, sell, and explore a new class of digital assets like our flagship game Rovi.ai. Support us by collecting your digital assets through MetaZone at MetaZone.io. Like, comment, and subscribe to stay updated. Back to the video. There's obviously, like I said, a lot of confusion. Right. This is, uh, I don't know, dude. It seems like this is more complex than what we originally thought it was going to be as far as like or maybe not, because some people actually got it like pretty quick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Shout out Maddieverse. Maddieverse, yeah. Definitely out there with one of like the most probably like iconic video reactions <laughs> yeah. of all time. I, I gotta play it, dude. Yeah, I dude. Have let's, to. let's take a look at this. All right. So let me let me bring it up because I have a, a couple of links here that we're gonna be sharing, but I need to play this video from Maddieverse. Yeah. Uh not that one. Yeah, when when did I retweet it? Oh, let me let me just go to his webpage or his Twitter account. That would definitely be more efficient, dude. 
But uh, oh wow, the other Maddie's name is Maddie Verse too. I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> we got a couple Maddie verses in our yeah. podcast like lineage now. Very cool. All right, here we go. So can we hear him? Let's see. Oh no, I know that. Yeah. Hold on, I, I gotta. I Sorry gotta, for the very beginning. No, yeah, I gotta get the very beginning <laughs> though because this. This really exemplifies like everything that's occurred, yeah. like in the first few seconds. Like, listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a huge <laughs> sigh. I know that. Uh, dude, can you play that again? I, I'm gonna, you know, I, I didn't really feel it. Yeah, yeah let me feel it one more time. Do it one more time. <laughs> Pure frustration, I, I guess. Like all day having to like answer questions, right? right? Yeah. Drop is complicated or it seems complicated but every protocol that's been dropped so far has been complicated when tap dropped it was complicated right when brc20 dropped it was complicated people didn't understand it people pushed back now we've got nats people are pushing back saying it's stealing bitmaps it's not stealing bitmaps it's literally taking the bitmaps or the block supply and creating a token whose max supply is the amount of valid mined blocks that exist at the time. Meaning, the DMT token that the block runner dropped as the first token on NAT protocol I think you got the supply flipped, right? yeah. D- the NAT whatever NAT the, token on the, the DMT valid protocol. mined Correct. blocks are. So over 800,000, whatever that number is. And it's continuing to go up. It's inflationary. Just like bitmap. But it's not replacing bitmap. It's not stealing your bitmap. It has nothing to do with bitmap. You guys need to read the documents. You need to look at it. You need to understand it. It's literally just taking data on the blockchain and creating a token supply based off of the data. They could right. have taken the number 47 and chosen a random block and went, how many times does this data show up in this hex data? How many times does this pattern of 47 show up? And then whatever that is, be it 12, 300, 9,400 million, that's the max supply of the token that's attached to that element inscription. That's right. Yeah. And it expands. They're not out to spoil anything. They're not out to steal bitmaps. There's nothing fishy going on. Like, read the documents. If you don't understand the documents, wait for somebody to explain it. But you need to understand that... It's doing nothing for your bitmaps. The fact that it came out yesterday has nothing to do with the BMP token with a claim. It has nothing to do with that. They created a NAT token that you use the mint function to mint and it takes the bits from a whatever block you've chosen to reference in the mint data. However many bits in that, that's how many of the NAT fungible token you'll get. And they created a, a BMT token, which is only claimable if you own a bitmap, and you can only claim it on the bitmap you own. So they dropped two tokens. Mm-hmm. Yes. One using our non-arbitrary data based on bits, and the other one based on your ownership of a bitmap. I'm going to be dropping a thread tomorrow. It's taking me a little bit longer to kind of get my head around how it works. I'm going to be dropping a post tomorrow that explains how to do it and what it is. And just relax. They're not stealing your stuff. They're not stealing your bitmaps. They're not creating nap maps. They're not doing any of that. So like, just wait until you understand mm. it. Give it a day or two. 
happens every time a new protocol drops. Relax. Relax. Yeah. Keyword. That's so good. Grandest takeaways. Relax. Because, man, dude, like this is a. Uh, you know, we've been in this Web3 space for about four years now, and it's, I don't think we've ever embarked on anything to this scale of uh, craziness, I guess. No, definitely not. I mean, we've been obviously like passive observers of many of these types of instances where, you know, new ideas are introduced into the space. Yeah. Typically by like anonymous founders and stuff like that, you know, people hiding behind, you know, digital identity, probably for this very reason. It's like, yeah whenever you're, you're deploying something of in, in an experimental capacity is like, you know, you can't, it's really hard to account for all the variables, right. Yeah. In front, that, that are laid in front of you. Right. So there's a lot of risk and people don't want to be caught in any kind of, uh, you know, crosshair. Sure. No matter what, whether it's like a cultural implication on ideological implication or financial monetary, whatever it is, people mm. like, dude, if, if this goes in any direction, like, I always have, uh, you know, my, my true identity is obscured, so there's nobody really to attack, really. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm starting to see that as like, well, this is, this, this to us is really like, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. So basically you're saying that there's, there's a lot of uh, supporting evidence that being anonymous is better than not being anonymous. Well, yeah, for deploying, I guess. Well, I don't know if, if I'm saying it's better. It's just I, I think that's that's why we've seen like this trend kind of emerge so ubiquitously. You know, when people are trying to deploy new attempts at creating some sort of a framework or standard, right? Right. It just seems like a I don't know because there's a lot at I guess you know reputation at stake. You know, people have thrown a lot of hate in our direction, dude. Let's just be yeah. real about it. I'm right. talking real fucking hatred. Yeah. So, what is the underlying root of this hatred? That's just because we're trying to experiment with something. Yeah. Yeah. Something new, right? Something that we're introducing at a conceptual layer. We're not forcing anyone to adopt anything. So, what motivates somebody to want to like be in that much opposition to it? Yeah. Of course, it's forces outside of our control. We just have to deal with it, right? Yeah. No, I totally agree. And um, you know, I also got some, um, you know, some some DMs. I was like, well, you should have, you know, talked to the community about this and you should have done this and you should have done that. But I have a video here where we've been talking about digital matter theory three months ago on a podcast. And then we formally introduced digital matter theory three months ago on a specific 20 minute video that is easily digestible by anyone. (laughs) And so what was the result of that? It's like there were some people was like, yeah, cool. This is a cool idea applying to bitmaps. And, you know, this is cool. Yeah, but not until you release something where there's a token and ownership do people actually pay attention. Yeah, and actually, and, yeah. And so when we were deploying this thing, it's like we cannot deploy this document without an actual token mm-hmm. that people can go and mint. Yeah, because once that happens, people will f- be forced to understand what this is. Mm. And of course, people are. I mean, when I say force, is like just being interested in like what is happening like well, and yeah. why it's happening. But obviously a lot of people did not read the document. They don't understand what it is and what it's for mm-hmm. because the document is a method to generate non-arbitrary tokens. It is not a method to like supplant bitmap or anything. Mm-hmm. And, and really it's a method to create non-arbitrary tokens from your bitmap in a way that it has on-chain provenance. Mm. And if you hold Bitmap, you hold that on-chain provenance. Correct. 
right? It, it is not in competition. Yeah. But obviously, as we know, like, yeah, bitmap. So bitmap doesn't have exclusivity as far as like where like non-arbitrary substance can be applied. Mm-hmm. Right. So it wouldn't make sense to create this as some sort of, again, like exclusive protocol only for, you know, the ownership layer of, of bitmap. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that is why there's a, there's two tokens, right. It's to demonstrate that very concept, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is an existing ecosystem that is thriving, that is that originated under, under these principles that, we've identified that make up digital matter theory it's bitmap so yeah we can leverage that already existing provenance and create like a whole new digital non-arbitrary digital commodities layer on top of that Mm -hmm. through a different method within the same protocol right there's three methods we outlined of how you can yeah basically create three uh, separate distribution models within uh, the same framework yeah right and then the, the nat token itself is this is for like a newly generated uh, non-arbitrary ecosystem, right? Bitmap isn't going to be the only one. Yeah, correct. So now the developers, creators, they have all the tools they need to kind of like, arc, you know, bring about their own ecosystems and they can have whatever narratives they want, different reference data points, right? Vitoshi, he referenced the transactions of a block without like formali- formally recognizing that, right? right? He just kind of outlined... This is the reason we're all claiming blocks within right. the text of the, the document that he released himself. And yeah. we just all kind of like agreed to it. But there's nothing that enforces that. that, that or it's not, it's not about enforcing. It's more of like formally recognizing well, it so that indexers can, correct. can come up. Well, indexers can start indexing different projects pointing to different aspects of the block data. Mm-hmm. Right. This is just a formal recognition of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, it it's it's. What what Bitoshi did, he pioneered the act of owning blocks, right? That's what he did. 100%. But owning a bitmap doesn't mean you exclusively hold the rights to all the data within the block. Mm-hmm. And like you said in the previous video, you, you couldn't even enforce that if you wanted to. Yeah. It's like saying, I'm, I'm going to arbitrarily own oxygen. And mm-hmm. because you're breathing it, you owe me money. Mm. Well, you can't do that, Yeah. right? So... It's the same thing that's happening here. It's like we just systematized a way to own data from a block in a way where that data is not arbitrary and each block has different sets of data. So that means you have to own the different sets of blocks. Right. And when you say own the data, you got to be a little more specific. You don't own, again, you're not, you don't own Correct. the data. You own a token that has... That like, represents uh, the data and the project. Well, it has, yeah, it has a rule set to that inscription token that that is referencing the existence of a registered pattern. So there's a whole other inscription people aren't even like talking about or noticing. It's the element inscription. Yes. That is the root to all of this. And there are some people tinkering around with that and they understand the coolness of like the elements because it's there, you know, it's, it's, it's the formal recognition of, of pattern existence in, in the Bitcoin data layer, which it, that's what starts it all. You can't right. generate anything of non-arbitrary substance without, you know, having something to reference within right. that within that instruction set in the, in the in the beginning. That's that's very important because when you look at the different methods, and and it's not limited to only these methods. There could be other methods to deploy tokens, but yeah. what I mean is like when you deploy a token, you all of these lines point back to a element, an element. Yeah, correct. Right. And this is just. Uh, a representation like is yeah not not everything has to point to the same element the same like, element correct yeah there's it's up to the uh, the bit informaticists out there to again find, to patterns. find patterns think of again 
clever new ways of how these patterns can be, you know, whether or not they can even exist, you know. So, like, you know, I like the idea of, you know, text files. There's sure. a lot of those happening in the inscription space. So it'd be nice to know how many text file, I guess, inscriptions exist in the Bitcoin data layer, right? Right. So I could devise a way to identify the pattern of that existence within Bitcoin's data and register that so that anybody who finds relevance in that in that uh in that pattern can point to it, right? That's right. That's yeah, right. So but this is but, just a representation. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because everyone who is, you know, angry, right? They're ignoring <laughs> method 3. Maybe I should have put that as method 1. But but nonetheless, it's here, right? It's been here. And it, method three says, basically, when you deploy a token based off this element, which is a pattern that's been formally recognized, mm-hmm. once you deploy this element, we did one. It's called BMT. Yeah. Once you deploy this element, the logic here states that if you hold a bitmap or parcel, right, because there's going to be elements coming from parcels as well. Mm. If you hold bitmap or parcel, you are the only one who can generate the non-arbitrary token, mm. right? Through on-chain provenance called parent-child inscriptions. Mm-hmm. There's a process for this. Literally, when you mint a child in, and you go to ordinals.com and look at that child inscription, it says, you scroll down, it says parent. Yeah. You click on that parent, it'll take you to the parent inscription, which in this case would be a bitmap or a parcel, mm-hmm. right? That is called on-chain provenance. Yes, correct. And there is a technical method to prove that you own the parent right Mm -hmm. it's parent child inscription process yeah like it's there right so if uh if you a bitmap creator wanted to generate your own token because you're creating some sort of game or you're creating whatever it is art on bitmap Mm -hmm. you would use this method so why why would i do that dude because i've been seeing a lot of that and that's that was probably like the most anticipated question mm-hmm. it's it's the why right because you know it took us many months for us to kind of like come up with that well actually we, we intuitively understood there was a why present in like something that's happening in this ordinal space right like, why are we so engaged in like a bitmap appealed to us so much so so quickly we we, we knew there was a why but it, it took us a while to define it mm-hmm. right so yeah you as an ecosystem a token deployer whatever you have you've been doing it one way for so long so why do it this non non arbitrary way mm-hmm. like what do you, what's your response to that what do you think well um it's the same reason why people like sats mm. and, and people like bitmap they and they want to cater to these communities why because sats has forty thousand holders bitmap over twenty five twenty six thousand holders mm-hmm. eventually bitmap will have millions of holders mm-hmm. it will mm-hmm. it's the biggest metaverse and it cannot be supplanted i can't see a scenario where somebody beats bitmap mm. right mm-hmm. so i'm going to i'm going to make that assumption right yeah so it's going to have millions of holders and if you launch a project on bitmap you want to leverage millions of people mm. so how do you do that how do you leverage millions of people holding bitmaps what you do is you generate a token that says if you hold bitmap you can generate token mm. right mm-hmm. that's why that's yeah. why you would do it this way. Well, you're specifically you're, you're pointing to specifically method three, right? Well, yeah. I mean, okay. I, I was more asking like a broader question, like the whole non-arbitrary, like all of them, like encompassing. You know, there's oh, okay. an arbitrary route and a non-arbitrary route. But yeah, that that for sure, I feel like is maybe the 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 pushback against that is just the lack of understanding of parent-child inscriptions and and their purpose yeah. and that and 
why you need that to technically, I guess, have on-chain verif- verifiability, verifiability that, you know, you own the actual assets. Yeah, correct. And that's so platforms and, you know, different service providers can now provide the user UI UX experience that people want, right? Just know that, you know, that these assets are going to be associated to uh, the right parent inscription, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, embedded within this functionality of parent-child inscriptions that, you have to have the parent in your wallet. You have yeah. to. I can't just go and mint this BMT token um, from your parcel or your bitmap. I can't just do that because mm-hmm. technically I would have to break cryptography to do that, mm. right? And if you can break cryptography, I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter how many bitmaps you're holding. We got bigger problems. <laughs> yeah, right? definitely, for sure. Yeah, that's always been like the big ultimate scary thing. That's on our list of like doomsday scenarios that we came up with like a year ago when yeah. FTX was collapsing. I think we had like a top three. Yeah. Right. Which I don't want to segue into what just happened with uh, CZ and everything. Yeah. But that was definitely on our doomsday list. It was. And then I think like quantum computing, like, you know, ruining cryptography or whatever was the other. That's right. So, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Sure. <laughs> Another like... Massive doomsday event happened, and not much is really. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like the the air seems pretty stable still somehow. Yeah, I thought I thought for sure that would be some sort of nuke. Like, yeah, I thought this was like proverbial the the black swan, right? So, yeah, let, let's say that for later, just because I, I think we need to explain a little bit more what's going on here with NETs. But yeah, so what would you say is uh, the answer to why, like in the general sense? Yeah, I think, I think what, you, what you just did, you outlined exactly like why. Let me let me as like an ecosystem, like you you have a very specific. You're considering the bitmap ecosystem, right? Yeah, you're outlining it like ecosystem, like requirements that you've already kind of like thought of. You're you're trying to future proof a lot of what what bitmap yeah. is. I was right? and l- let me add just one little thought there. It's like this method is so important, assuming there's millions of holders, yeah. that a thousand years from now, when people are still onboarding to Bitmap, mm-hmm. they'll be able to inscribe these tokens that were, that were generated a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? Well, because that's how you create a, an ecosystem with growth potential, mm. right? If you just launch a token with an arbitrary cap, and or you you launch a PFP project with 10k, you limit the growth potential of mm. that, mm-hmm. right? That's why so many PFP projects are just like in the dumps because there's yeah. there's no growth potential there. Yeah. All right? Imagine if you you created some bakery, I man, yeah, and you only had a cap of 10,000 users, yeah, at that bakery, yeah. Is that a good business? Yes or no? Uh, I would not think so. Maybe exactly. like maybe locally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe it was like a corner store. Right. Like if I had 10,000 shoppers. Right. That's a good corner store. But yeah, if I wanted like a nationwide corner store, it's like only 10,000 of you guys who yeah. have like my, my token, my can, corner store pass yeah, can exactly. actually come buy my stuff. Yeah. You're, right. you're fucked. Yeah. It's over, dude. That's right. So yeah, I totally agree. And to me, you're kind of like, you're, you're showcasing what why i think is the wise because again you've already found utility Mm -hmm. and like a non-arbitrary token genesis like you're you're devising new like uh means of of achieving sustainability yeah which is like the ultimate like wtf in crypto like how how do we make this whole thing even sustainable and not more like all these new innovations are just like flash in the pans like boom and bust yeah. moments for for humanity right we need to find a pathway towards sustainability right and actual like healthy ecosystems that lead to true value for human beings not just degens that's right and we haven't really like 
come to that like grand unified moment in this industry, this space, Correct. right? Like where we figured it out. We really haven't. We're all collectively experimenting together yeah. to a tree, to achieve like true sustainable tokenomics and yes. stuff like that. Right. So up until now, we've only had like one method to even tinker with these different variables, right? These token variables and an arbitrary creation process. Yeah. Now we've introduced a whole new slew of potential experimentation like bandwidth. Right. Right. Why would anybody be opposed to that? It's like now ecosystem creators and designers, we have a whole new tool set to, to play with. Yeah. And see maybe if, if we have like this non-arbitrary component to our value genesis or whatever it is, yeah. let these ecosystem designers, these greater minds figure out how can I incorporate this into my ecosystem design and therefore, it's going to lead to longer terms, longer term sustainability, right? Yeah, hundred percent. We don't know because we're not like already people are coming like with their pitchforks trying to destroy it from the root. Mm-hmm. We won't ever know like what the finality endpoint looks like. Man, like wow, man, that that actually changed a lot. Like, yeah, it, dude. But people coming in to try to destroy it, like you can try all day I know, I know. Yeah. and every day. You can try to break down Bitcoin all day and every day. This is. A you know this is a situation where you can't put the genie back in the bottle. It's yeah. out there, and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. You can try to fud. You can fud Bitcoin. Remember, you gave the story about like first hearing about Bitcoin, and it was so difficult to like buy a Bitcoin at the time when you first heard it, like in 2012, 13, or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and you just gave up. Yeah, you gave up like trying to figure out how to actually purchase these damn tokens, mm-hmm. and and then you know what did you you know what do you think about that now? Just giving up because it got hard. Yeah, I think I played into again like the the like natural instinct most people kind of like fall victim to, right? It's like it's the fight or flight thing, right? I guess yeah. if you just want to like sum it up into like a nice work word or two, yeah. But basically, I, I felt primitive that brain. Yeah, I felt that mental like angst of like try, i have to like learn this now and like wrap my head around this in order for for me to like find a way to to you know to have some added value for myself mm-hmm. and right away it's like my my reaction was to just fight against it label this as like stupid yeah yeah all those people over there are wasting their time Let me right. get, what i'm gonna go do instead is like way better yeah right yeah and that's like a natural i think psychological response Right. And because, you know, yeah, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, 10, 12 years ago or whatever was very non proven. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was mostly, easy to fade. Yeah. It was very conceptual. There were no like major manias yet and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's like I, I, I make the mental option to just, you know, fade this basically. Yeah. Because it's easier. It's easier. Yeah. It's easier basically. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, we've kind of like introduced something at a conceptual level and a framework around it that probably isn't that easy to kind of understand, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's going to take some, I mean, you saw Mattyverse, like <laughs> he looks super frustrated. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Not only because he has to like now explain this because yeah. he's built this like reputation, right? I, he's the guy that like contextualizes all of the new innovations, right? And people yeah. see value in him because of that, right? That's right. Like, I, we need these people to educate and, but I'm sure he spent a lot of time. Yes. Maybe we should interview him soon. He's like, dude, how much time sure. did it take you to like actually unpackage it so perfectly? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But for us, so we might have a bias, right? Because we, we fucking thought of the damn thing. 
Well, well, I mean, we didn't just think about it in like a weekend. I know, it's that's like what I mean. shotgunned it out there. We've been thinking about <laughs> it. And how do I know we've been thinking about it? It's because we think out loud via YouTube videos. It's true. And, and we try to formulate these thoughts out loud so we can get feedback. It, correct. Again, yeah, we, we, we did that intentionally to, again, put those seeds out there and see what we can get, like, you know, as far as. I guess, uh, contribution, right? And on top of that, when we were putting it out there, we intentionally put it out there for the, for somebody else to do it. We didn't want to do this. No, I mean, I mean, if you know anything about our past in Web3, our focus has always been on the metaverse exclusively, really. It's just, yeah. you know, we never delved into like the, the token process. Instead, we were, uh, we were trying to figure out, you know, how do we, again, build our own ecosystems like in GameFi and such, mm-hmm. leveraging the existing token models and frameworks that, you know, were put forth by people before us. Yeah, that's right. We did that with Rovies. If you go, you got to go way back yeah. <laughs> to those archives. It was a metaverse native game ecosystem that had a, a play to earn component to it. Yeah. But it was very unique and specific in its design because it was native to the metaverse. And there's like whole like multi multi actor ecosystem, you know, landowner considerations, yeah. uh, game asset owner considerations, player yeah, dude. delegates. It's very complex. It's very complex. And it's still fascinating to think about because now yeah. in the context of Bitmap, like this this Rovi concept, the fact that you can deploy multiple components of a game and distribute it out to a bunch of holders. It, it it's even bigger on bitmap mm-hmm. right yeah, and totally it's and it the people man you, there's so much to learn right like, from from what just like just in general about the metaverse like distributed assets like a right. concept like rovi yeah again yeah so that's that's to me is like the big answer to the why because we spent a lot of time trying to figure out like that we could have easily just launched uh, another GameFi token like everybody else, but we knew it wouldn't be sustainable. Yeah. Just like every other GameFi token out there, eventually just died out, withered away. Right. Because, you know, I don't think there's enough tools available to build Agreed. enough of like a closed loop ecosystem that has enough considerations for the complexity of economics. Yeah. Agreed. Right. The tools just aren't there yet. So it's like, dude, we should probably wait for more tools to come about yeah but here we are we had an opportunity to introduce this like whole new again set of tools yeah that people like us who want to build sustainable game economies in the metaverse they have a new tool to experiment with correct yeah and this isn't a proclamation of like this is the tool that creates sustainability but we don't even know yeah it's a tool that you can create experiments to see if you can exactly so to me that's the why it's just Another vector of potential, right? And we haven't even, there's only, we just launched like literally the most uh, just broadly applicable token we could think of, right? That's why we chose the bits field. Yeah. Right? It's literally every block has a pretty large quantity of bits within it. So that's going to be like the, uh, the reference data point that determines the fungible token, you know, distribution among these block claimers, right? We made that. As active, we're not anticipating, like, this isn't, like, specifically purpose for any, like, uh, ecosystem. Mm -hmm. It's just the token out there that demonstrates, again, like, basically the deployment and distribution mechanism of of what this framework represents. Yeah, so what Ironman is talking about is if you go to blockchain.com and you click on Bitcoin and you click on a random block. Oh, look at that. We got 18,000 just crossed. Yeah. Sorry, that's, like, a random sign note. (laughs) Yeah, so um, if you own this block in specifically the the nat block right mm-hmm. if you own this block 
What you're actually doing is you're claiming the the amount of tokens represented in the bits field. Mm-hmm. Right? That bits field here is 386 million blah blah blah. Yeah. Right? But if you go to a separate block, right? This, yeah, I think, and I think like um people have done like the uh They've identified the, the trend. Math, math? Okay. Yeah, the, like the trend, uh, basically, like I think, like the earlier blocks do have a higher bits count. So, yeah. so it is literally like a, a probably like a linear like a uh, correlation, I guess. Earlier yeah. blocks a little higher up, but not by much. It's very like yeah. minute the difference. It's like you know? probably 15 percent difference, something like that. So yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty consistent across the board. Yeah, that's exactly how we wanted it. You know. So what are you going to do? You're looking at another block. Yeah. So now we're looking at a separate block and you can see it's 386 million, mm-hmm. right? Again, for the bits. Right. So they're towards the end of the, uh, the kind of the blockchain, right? The number of bits is about the same. But the point is, if you own the block, specifically the NAT block, mm-hmm. right? You're claiming your ownership of the bits field and cl- in this case, the, the units within the bits field. Yeah. Right. Again, okay, we got to be very you, you don't own the bits field either. No, no, no. The units within the bits yeah. field within the context of <laughs> I know. the NAT. I know, I, I, I know. Yeah. But I'm, I'm realizing like how very specific we have to be with our words because yeah. you can easily confuse people. Right. right. So so let's let's reiterate, yeah. right? Oh, you cannot own <laughs> block data. Like you cannot own physics parameters. Right, right. You can't own it. They're yeah. innate. They're part of our existence, just like Bitcoin is part of our existence. The mm-hmm. data within is part of our existence. You can't own it. But what you can do is to create a project and say, hey, I'm going to do a game. I'm going to do a metaverse. I'm going to do something. And I'm going to create a token associated with a non-arbitrary aspect of Bitcoin. Yeah. That you can own. Mm-hmm. That is your project. That is what you're doing. Yeah. Right? So it's it, it, it it's probably not easy to understand like in the, you know, uh, just right off the bat. I get it. No, and, clearly it's not, <laughs> but that's okay. I yeah. think that's okay. That's fine. And and we can clearly define it because we've been th- thinking about it. I mean, this- yeah, I don't think if, again, if, if you're somehow like been watching our, again, existence in this space since the beginning, I think you might, you've identified, you know, this is pretty consistent with our track record <laughs> as far as like, we don't necessarily go after like the, uh, the lowest hanging fruit, do we? No. Like, <laughs> We never do that. Yeah. When it comes specifically for the metaverse, so we've 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 looked at like the biggest problems, right? Yes. With the metaverse, like why why is this ecosystem not attracting developers? You know why? And therefore, as a role, why is it, why are these ecosystems not attracting user bases? You know mm-hmm. what's so different? You know what's missing? All these different. These are some really big questions that that need to be tackled, right? And we've made it like our I don't know existence path to you know well, find solutions for them. Yeah, it's it's we're somehow we're attracted to these problems and talking mm-hmm. about them and finding solutions. Like we're, you know, like scientists. Like that's what scientists do. Is like they are they're at the they're at the like forefront at the frontier of like problems within like the scientific space. Okay, and, and they're motivated to find solutions to these problems. That's what's interesting. Yeah, people will spend their lifetimes trying to figure out like. You know, why is the universe ex- accelerating, mm. expanding? Like, why? Yeah, yeah. Right? And you can spend your entire lifetime, you, there's a chance you won't figure it out. Yeah. But maybe there is a chance you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And that's the pursuit is what's interesting. 
I yeah, I guess that's what it is. It's just we we tend to focus on things that are interesting to us. So I don't know. We just we we found interest in this this again discovered uh, concept. I guess you know the digital matter theory concept. Then it just could not leave our brains. Right, we couldn't yeah. stop thinking about it. Yeah. You know, and there is a lot of application to this in, in the scope of the metaverse, right? It's like, yeah, you guys are the metaverse guys. Like, what are you doing out here, you know, launching to- token protocols? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the tokenization of, of value is going to have so much application in the metaverse yeah. space. It's, 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 it's a no-brainer, like, parallel, right? Like, why we're interested in this. And again, we've, we've identified so many issues with ecosystem design, specifically for the metaverse. It's just... Yeah, we, we needed to introduce this yeah. from my perspective. This has to exist because now we have Agreed. this whole new thing to kind of like introduce to, uh, you know, the uh, participants of these ecosystems. Now, we don't know exactly yet how like the human um, behavior is going to respond mm-hmm. to these specific tokens. Like, we don't know, again, because these are untested waters, you know, like this this weapon that you know, you got these two weapons of a game, right? You know, you know the existence of this weapon because the yeah. the the minter of it set a prefixed amount of them. So that we know that has like specific behavioral patterns. The arbitrary like, weapon, you mean? Yeah, if, for the arbitrary weapon case, we know it's like if if the the participants know there's only ten thousand of these swords or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what's going to happen. What's going to drive them as far as like participation? Right? They're going to probably like grind their asses off until those ten thousand weapons are claimed or found or crafted or whatever. And then you're going to have to devise like some new asset within the game economy to kind of like get, re- get that yeah. get engagement popping again. Right. Yeah. Get that retention. So game designers know this. They are, oh, this is a well understood like component of human psychology, how we interact with our game environments and stuff. This is like the shit that riot games yeah. and Fortnite and Roblox, everybody, all these game devs know this, right? Yeah. They have downloadable content. Yeah. It's an expansion to their game. Correct. To keep retention. It's a, it's a arbitrarily diluting the assets within the game. That's what they did. Yeah. But yeah. it works because there, there is no other option. And right. people have spent so much time in their game. They, they identify themselves as like, uh, you know, being, you know, immersed in that game. And so they're going to buy that, that downloadable content because their friends are buying it and they're mm-hmm. expanding. Right. Yeah. But we're, the the whole point is, is we're introducing kind of a new vector to to how to look at things and how to expand things in a non arbitrary way. Exactly. So we definitely can't sit here and like make grand assumptions or grand predictions, grand declarations even of like yeah, the introduction of these these non arbitrary roots of of digital value creation are, is going to lead specifically to x amount of players or you know staying engaged in your game yeah. or. Whatever that variable is as an ecosystem designer, you're trying to account for. Mm-hmm. And again, like, you know, build around these assumptions and it's these projections and such. There's a lot that goes into that, dude. You're trying to like pre program an economy before one actually exists. Mm-hmm. That is like, if you've ever tried to build an ecosystem, that's, that's the task at hand. Yeah. There's so many different moving variables and you're trying to inject just the right supply. For all these different like identifiable actors within this ecosystem, mm-hmm. and then yeah, like what's the rate of extraction from the from the supply? How do I introduce new things? It's it's very complicated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we can't like give a blueprint for everybody. Nobody can, right? right? But the point is, we know that human beings are very good at figuring out, you know, optimizations and stuff. But they, what they need are are tools. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, to do that. 
Yeah, and um, so it, it hasn't been not even 48 hours since we dropped this, Whoa. this um, I guess, framework. I'm looking at the number now, dude. I haven't looked at it in a, in a little while. So yeah. <laughs> we, had, we didn't even like, man, I guess we've been dealing with like the uh, the nuclear fallout, mm-hmm. you know, basically in, in many discords, groups, yeah. <laughs> addressing many Twitter DMs, yeah. a lot of angry people in yeah. our DMs yeah. and just on Twitter itself and that we've we've basically been missing like like the the milestones. Yeah, we didn't even like I didn't tweet nothing out like at a hundred k or nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when Bitmap was coming? Dude, we yeah. we checked in like every like one thousand. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, because yeah. I remember when we first talked about Bitmap. There's three hundred inscriptions. That's when we first found it, right? And we first and I remember yeah. waking up in the next morning. And it was eight thousand. And I remember texting. He was like, "Dude, eight thousand already." Yeah, I remember that. Like. That was insane. Yeah. And, and then... And, is that 1%? That's 1%. Yeah. 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 At that time. Because it wasn't even... We were like not even above 800,000 blocks total. So that's it was right. roughly 1%. And we're like, holy yeah, shit. Like right. People actually are doing this. Yeah. They they like it. Right? It's unbelievable. Finally, yeah. they like the metaverse, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and and then I remember the next day, it was like 40,000 inscriptions. And like yep. all these like little milestones, they're huge, right? People are finally recognizing... What we've been talking about for years, mm. and and Bitmap represents something that we think is su- sustainable and scalable for the metaverse, right? For thousands of years potentially. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's what's so big deal about this. Yeah, it was definitely a fucking. It was definitely a, a, I don't know how to label it. It was a unique moment for sure. Yeah, <laughs> watching the incremental like progress of that ecosystem kind of growing and people onboarding and i guess um man dude it dude bitmap receives so much hate too yeah for something so like friendly i mean it was probably <laughs> so, so, friendly. so friendly dude <laughs> oh my it's god like, why, why are you gonna hate yeah, bitmap? it makes no sense it's this like fluffy little poof ball of, of a project dude come on what, what damage can bitmap yeah. actually do on they society? were a dollar and 50 cents each <laughs> Yeah, how are you gonna hate that? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this is these cute squares on the screen, dude. It's like, what is so? But they like these arbitrary like art projects. Yeah, right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like, dude, the frogs. That's 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 what, way that's better. It. Yeah, but you guys coming up with these like non-arbitrary representations of yeah. of data and then and expecting some sort of virtual environment to come from that. You guys are crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. Right? You're wasting a dollar and 50 cents. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, do you hate Bitcoin? Yeah. You know you're going to kill Bitcoin, right? You're just going to, yeah, things like, and all these same attack vectors, are they're, re, they're coming, now they're coming at us. Yeah. And again, because Vitoshi, he gets to hide behind his anon- anonymity, yeah. right? That's no, right. Yeah. What well, you attack the Twitter account, Vitoshi Blockamo, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. You know, he gets to kind of like disappear <laughs> behind that wherever he goes. But us is like, dude, we're, we're, we've been here. We're going to stay here no That's matter right. what. That's right. And so all we're doing simply is introducing a new experiment. Yes. This is what this whole space is supposed to be about. Yeah, you can attack us all you want for that, but we've accepted the responsibility of that. I agree. We, we put forth this 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 idea, whatever. Like yeah. We'll deal with the consequences of that. But really what we're trying to do is help the creators, help the developers. Yeah, 100%. And we've the, always been that. Yeah. The only always. people that matter, like in, in the sense of like markets and creation are the developers and the creators. Yeah. Cause they're the ones who actually create like tangible value. That's right. And that's, that's what it is where, where the metaverse <laughs> has the least of. 
Yeah, and if, you know? if this information is new to you, you know, hearing things like the important people are developers, we've been saying this for years, right, in the context of the metaverse. Like, the, if, yeah. if you build tools for the developers and you create a system of, like, value recognition, developers will come and build. Yeah. We've seen that with Bitmap. Mm. All right, we got I'm and So Chris, Foxyverse, Inscribe Space. Space. And uh, ourselves working on Mscribe. Yeah. We got, you know, a bunch of other people contributing, you know, just whatever it is they feel is a missing component to yeah. what's going to enable something of, of, of substance, right? Yeah. And, of course, that's an open-ended question. It's really hard. But the point is, you know, the more experimentation, the better, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the same. That's the, that was the same, like, why people asked us why bitmap. Yeah. Right? I mean... I mean, maybe we asked ourselves that question, but it's like, why is like a a standard framework for framework for bitmap a big deal, right? It's like yeah. it introduces more vectors of experimentation, which increases the probability we're gonna find yes. like the true value of the metaverse than just like keeping that experimentation to isolated, fragmented attempts, yeah. right? The yeah. sandbox, the central land, yeah, that's like, two, right? Other side, three. Yeah, but now it's like, okay, Bitmap is completely open community where anybody can put forth like a contribution, yeah. an idea, uh, a new tool, yeah. we, whatever. We have the three, right? The big three. Then we have IMSO Chris, Foxyverse, Inscribe.Space, and many others already creating their own attempts at the metaverse. That is a bet I'd rather take than just waiting for like projects to come up with some arbitrary like landscape and like get investment yeah. all this stuff. Totally agree. Like, dude, we got... Several chances with Bitmap to figure out what is going to be a sticky experience for the metaverse. Yeah, that's a way better like bet and interest and like uh, avenue of experimentation than anything <laughs> we've seen before. Yeah, totally agree. And so yeah, we're kind of like reapplying that same hypothesis now to, I mean, I guess all of all of uh, digital yeah. all of digital value. I guess it's like yeah. you no, know, let, let's increase the scope of experimentation now to all, this whole new vector. Which can and, be applied by to Bitmap, by the way. Yes, exactly. I, I don't know how many times we need to reiterate that. Yes, this is. Yeah, I guess I don't know it's either. It's like every time, every time we say a line, it's like applies to Bitmap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're I mean, come on, dude. We're we're obviously not here to like top topple Bitmap down at the, at the, at the roots. Like, come on, dude. This yeah, you hold the one hundred bitmap. bitmap. Yeah, and ninety one dot Bitmap, yeah. dude. It's like, why would I want to see this thing fail for one? If you if you're only if you're part of the camp only thinks people are motivated purely by like some speculative value of yeah. the assets they hold. Jack Lou, which, <laughs> okay. Which a lot of people are motivated by that for sure. For but sure, yeah. if you know anything about, again, the context of who we are, we've been present in the metaverse space before any of you, mostly Yes, we've, there's proof of that verifiable yes. proof, right? So we don't want to see bitmap fail. No, we, we were going to contribute massively to Bitmap. We the thesis of why Bitmap is relevant and important to the metaverse space it applies to humanity. It still persists, right? Yeah. All we're doing is introducing a new vector that can only strengthen the ecosystem of the overall metaverse. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And yeah, I, I kind of don't want to harp anymore. It's like just I feel like that's uh, enough, dude. I feel like we're, we we gotta like bang this drum, dude. Which drum is that? The drum that <laughs> Bitmap still matters. Oh. Of course, yeah. I mean, we just got to keep saying it because, uh, you know, these these attacks, they indicate that we don't. That we well, don't we're going to show it, I guess, in our in for this channel specifically. I mean, we're not going to we're not going to stop producing bitmap takeover videos. No, definitely like not. That. Yeah. Bitmap takeover is still a thing. Yeah. 
just like ordinal takeover still a thing i mean yeah now you know this non-arbitrary takeover it's like a new thing yeah. a new addition i guess into the portfolio of content yeah you know, that this channel is probably going to dis- disseminate right yeah because we we truly believe in this stuff yeah yeah, and I mean, that's it. I feel like we have free reigns to do that, right? Have freedom over like the the information we provide on our channel. Is that okay? Can we do that? Yeah, do we? I think that's yeah, okay. I guess we have to ask everybody's permission, right? I guess I don't know. <laughs> but that that's the value of building on top of Bitcoin is that it's permissionless. You can do anything that you want. You know mm-hmm. how you win the invisible hand, right? That that is what decides what stays and what goes, yeah. right? We've seen this happen with Counterparty, right? Yeah. The invisible hand didn't pick it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're seeing it happen with Ordinal's wallet or Ordinal's wallet, the Ordinal's kind of theory. Mm-hmm. And it's being um, it's being selected by the invisible hand, at least as far as we can tell. Yeah, totally agree. So, yeah, man, uh, at the end of the day, man, I guess we should have made that fucking <laughs> that one liner of red disclaimer on the front page of our docs <laughs> is like, this is just an experiment, guys. Yeah. Like, use at your own risk. We should have probably like. I mean, I did do that. I put it at the top. You maybe put it at the bottom. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it would scare people away, dude. It's like, like, that's the very beginning. It should be scary because they should be like, oh, shit. I should probably pay attention here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. We should have made it even more prominent. (laughs) Like, fucking take up half the fucking dock. It's just experiment, guys. Calm down. There's no reason to get mad or, like, ruffled so So aggressively. Over an experiment, Jesus, yeah. you're 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 okay. You know, yeah. nobody's taking anything from you. Yeah, oxygen is still present. Yeah, right. It's not actually radioactive. Yeah, you'll be all right, guys. Trust me. You'll be all okay. right. So, so the other thing is like what the most interesting thing about all this is how quickly uh, community members and ordinals move with this, mm. right? So Benny, when we first told him about this, like, hell yeah, let's do this, right? Non arbitrary stuff. Like, mm-hmm. take the concept of, like, bitmap, and it's not arbitrariness, and, like, let's see how it can be applied in other places, right? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And then, uh, so we, we deployed this uh, this document, and then Ordo's Wallet, they come in and they create a map that represents the blocks for NATs. Mm-hmm. And so, very quickly, I mean, you could just kind of select these black blocks and just own it, Yeah. right? Much easier than taking a piece of text, going to some inscription platform, and hopefully... The text is correct, mm-hmm. right? This tells you that someone already owns those those NAT blocks. Mm. And then which ones are open? Much easier to inscribe, right? Yeah. But this was done less than 48 hours after the document. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's the big deal. Pretty bonkers, dude. Yeah. <laughs> For and then, sure. And then Genie Data, they have their own their own method to to tell you which ones are taken and which ones are not. Less than 48 hours from the document. Mm. right they're able to do this really quickly just because they have the know-how they have experience and they're interested in kind of pushing whatever whatever happens in the space well and that's actually like why we chose like this specification i guess design that we did right because it it definitely piggybacks on like what's already pretty prevalent out there this json structure right that's right like this is something like a lot of the ecosystem is already kind of like adapted to and well malformed i don't know if malformed is the right word just yeah it's, it's fucking conformed, I guess, to respect these these, these logic syntaxes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was like, why wouldn't you re-leverage that and just to introduce some some new semblance of logical protocol, right? Yeah, but someone Operations. who looks at this, uh, let me let me click on my tweet. And, this, and what you're saying is, it's that's the direct result of that, right? You can quickly kind of like support these new things. Yeah. In other words, yeah. Yeah, but someone who isn't paying attention and uh, they look at this is like, oh, you're competing with Bitmap. 
even though the interface looks identical, and which it probably is identical to the interface, but the whole point here is that you're owning fungible tokens. And so Ordinal's Wallet does a smart thing. It's like, hey, we already have code to do this. Let's just change the code instead of saying .bitmap. Let's just change it, that code to look like a JSON structure mm-hmm. that happens to be NAT. Yeah. Right? And then here's the interface that you can inscribe, you know, that block mm-hmm. for that NAT. That's yeah. it. It's yeah. not a bitmap competitor. It's not a metaverse competitor. It's nothing like that. So yeah. yeah, so I mean that's it's fucking Ordinal's wallet again. Like their speed is unmatched. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the one little caveat is uh, hopefully it's changed by Saturday, <laughs> the day it's going to get posted, is uh, listing the NAT token as NAT map. I think is is where a lot of the like uh, yeah, that is bad for sure. I think you can click on the link just so we can kind of like get oh, okay, yeah. see see what it looks like. I yeah. mean, they can call this the NAT map all day. I mean, this is their platform. They're allowed to brand sure. their tools and their features yeah. however they want. This, to me, this is an NAT map. This is a, a map of the existence of NAT claims. NAT map seems appropriate. When you actually go like to like the listing of the assets themselves, like on the open market, it's like dollar sign NAT map. So, yeah, I can see where the confusion is. Like, now people are like, oh, this is like yeah. designed to be a competitor against bitmap. But not at all. Yeah. I mean, again, what you're actually claiming... The ticker of it is not NatMap. It's NAT. Yeah. Which is, again, it's because, I mean, it seemed obvious to us, like, that should be, like, the name of the first, I guess, deployed non-arbitrary token ticker. Yeah. You know, kind of like a nod to non-arbitrary tokens, the first one. Yeah. NAT. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, this is just an interface just to own, like, the fungible aspects, and that's, that's it. And, and yeah, I mean... Yeah, again, Bitmap doesn't have like exclusive ownership to this distribution mechanism. Claiming a blocks is not like an enforceable thing to just Bitmap. Just like the yeah. ownership of data in a block is not yeah. an enforceable like parameter that for now and forever like Bitmap claimers have have exclusive rights to. Yeah, and if that were the case, you wouldn't you wouldn't have like this great distribution method. Yeah, like look how beautiful this is. You yeah. don't this needs to be applied like as as often as as I guess makes sensible application, right? From like a yeah, again, an ecosystem design standpoint. Yeah. And this is all part of the experiment of DMT and NAT, right? Yeah. Like what can you cook up? Because these maps are not always gonna be like um the full uh existing supply of, of Bitcoin blocks is not always gonna be like of relevancy for every NAT yeah, deployment. Hundred percent. Yeah, because if you have an element that is very specific data and like it occurs only like a hundred times on Bitcoin's blockchain, yeah. But when you go to actually mint that particular non-arbitrary token, you're not going to have eight hundred thousand blocks to claim. You're going to have a hundred. Yeah, because right? they are, they're only literally they only exist in a hundred of the blocks of the eight hundred thousand roughly blocks yeah. in existence, right? So you don't need. I mean, you could, I guess, have the whole block on display, but then this is like maybe only a hundred of them are like highlighted purple or something like that. Yeah, but then you would have like a vast this- sea of emptiness. <laughs> I know. No, you. Just it would want- make more sense to reduce it. Yeah, yeah, reduce it to literally the one hundred blocks that you can claim, and that's it. Yeah, I think that's going to be like the future implementation, if not from ordinals. Because I mean, dude, in case you guys haven't been paying attention, there's like hundreds of elements already registered. Yeah. Um, we've already shown you an example of of a bit informaticist who is deploying his own NATs. So yeah, like it or not, there's going to be a lot more of these in the future. 
Yeah, a lot more. <laughs> a lot yeah. more. You know, if you guys are familiar with minting a BRC20, right? It's There's a bar, right? It has zero to 100. Yeah. And then when it gets minted, right, the bar grows. Mm-hmm. Right. The bar for non-arbitrary tokens in terms of block claiming, it looks like a 2D, you know, broken up into squares. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why this is important is because each square has an account of that particular element that is different than the next square next to it. Yeah. Right. So you cannot just create a just a linear bar and like minting claim like you are with BRC twenty. Mm. Each block is unique. Correct. Right? And so the the claiming of it, like you would mint a BRC twenty with a thousand limit, has to be different. <clears throat> yeah. Hundred percent. So and that's what this looks like. Yeah. This is a representation of like a status bar, but like um again, you're 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 only. If the status bar were made up by pixels that were positioned yes. in like in the order of the blog. I mean, that's basically what this is. Like if you were able to zoom out, yeah. it, would it would look, look like, like a, a giant bar. bar yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> but then, yeah, you would see like the bar is like, it's not starting from the beginning. It's like, it's, it's got like pixel dots all over it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like a new, this is a new representation to indicate the, the, the minting status of an ecosystem, right? That's right. And it's non-arbitrarily, again, like referenced. It's not just like this arbitrary start to end process. Yes. It's like people are finding where these assets exist within right. the data of the blockchain. Like that is a perfect representation of that. That's right. And that's why people are claiming these. So the, right now the, for this NAT mint and the BMT mint, the data itself is not hyper relevant because we've we made that decision. We just wanted to get the deployment mechanism out there and understood with these first two tokens, right? In the future, Ubit and Formaticist are going to create these beautiful pattern recognitions and these these yeah. great ecosystems around that. To where, okay, now it's like I need to do a little bit more investigation, find out where these patterns exist, and mm-hmm. you know, then it's it's going to introduce a lot more difference differences right yeah and if you're one of the few people who hate this right who hate it well mm-hmm. you better put that seatbelt right back on because you're going to see this way more often mm. right because there's going to be other bit informaticists launching tokens and they're going to have a very similar claim infrastructure yeah right it's gonna be the exact same thing so and again if you're struggling with the why is to explain to me why everything needs to be arbitrary yeah. tell me that yeah. Good, good luck with that, dude. Yeah, let us know in the comment section below if uh, arbitrary is the way and yeah, just why. Let, us, let Answers, us know. Yeah, answer why. Yeah, and if you're so worried about bitcoins, like why aren't you, why aren't you like up in arms against BRC twenties and you know every other fungible token ever created? Why aren't you saying like that's the most vile thing we could do to blockchain? Yeah, and if you are, then fine, you're allowed to hate this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> if you're just against like all tokens and you're you're a Bitcoin maxi, there's only one. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I re- actually very much respect your position. Dude. Yeah, there's a community for that. <laughs> there is. Right? There's a community for all kinds of things. Yeah, I- I- agreed. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it for us. Um, we're going to be oh, talking. Oh, yeah, we didn't even get to talk CZ, but, yeah, I mean, oh, r- yeah. R- rip CZ. <laughs> Final outro. Yeah. Rest in peace, dude. I mean, I, I, he didn't die. He just no, got. No, no, no. Yeah, he I got. I mean, in a crypto sense, he's, he's a dead. He's a fallen. Yeah, fallen angel. Fallen Mount Rushmore. Like, yeah. Dude, that mount is like destroyed at this it point. is destroyed there's rushmore there's only one face left it's brian armstrong <laughs> brian Armstrong. Yeah. yeah even kraken got like chopped yeah from the sec so i don't know just a quick like one or two minute like wrap up i guess it's well i guess the biggest takeaway is the surprise that it really has an impact on market that's a big t- takeaway for sure like well it probably would have if like somehow 
uh, customer deposits, I guess, were affected. Because sure. Binance literally is like 80% of like the market mm-hmm. as far as far as like overall volume and yeah. such. So yeah, I think as long as the entity of Binance stays a firm, it's fine. You can get rid of CZ all day. Like we'll yeah. be, we'll deal with the rest, yeah. I guess. So yeah, they got a new CEO. Yeah. Right. So Binance, it seems like they're fine. Yeah. They got to pay $4.3 billion mm. because uh, CZ was uh, caught. Was it money laundering? And he, he admitted, admitted to, to it. it. Yeah. Money laundering. Like, just all kinds of, like, international fucking finagling, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> international shenanigans. Yeah. yeah I, I guess what, to me, like, what's surprising to me, and, you know, the the spectrum of humanity is quite large. But what's yeah. surprising to me is that someone like CZ being in the position that he is, all he has to do is just do things right. And he's just continuously printing money. Mm. Like, I, I don't understand. See, I'm I in don't, a- I don't get it. I'm in a different camp because I was actually there when I saw Binance, yeah, kind of like come come about and introduce its presence in the Web three space back in 2017, yeah. And I, I was questioning the ethics of that organization from the very beginning because I saw a lot of things that like felt like they shouldn't be legal, like when it comes to yeah. market manipulation and such. And I was like, "Damn, dude!" It's yeah, like, you were calling this early on, literally as yeah. it was happening. We didn't have a podcast platform, but I was right. like, "Dude, this, this Binance thing." Yeah, they they delivered a a very good platform. Like from very like a good. UI UX perspective, it was yeah. the best in like, in like in ex- compared to Bitrex. And yeah, it was way better. It was all great. Those ones, yeah, hit VTC and all that. Yeah. <laughs> it was great, but still, like the. Uh, I don't know, like the ethics of the of the uh, how they were pushing it, and what were mm-hmm. they doing? They were saying, um, um, I, I guess uh, the more you trade, the bigger chance you to win a Lambo, right? Yeah, they were just like injecting that. like all these different like trading schemes to like you know yeah. bring in liquidity to tokens that literally had no liquidity until they deployed these like trading trading schemes. Just seemed like so, such obvious market manipulation to me. I mean, not, mind mind you, I was a totally new inexperienced trader. I just had this gut feeling like, dude, this doesn't feel like you should be allowed to do this. Maybe it's because they're like offshore. There's no regulations there. Obviously, they got away with it. But I felt like that was a precedent to like the the, the behavioral pattern of like that, that, that executive board, right? It's like, dude, of course they're going to do like some serious crime down the lines. Like they don't really give a shit about like ethics and such. Yeah, I, I see that. But, you know, if it was questionable to kind of push these like, uh, these these you know, methods to encourage people to trade. If that was questionable, they did get away with it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's not even like the thing that they're really right. But, well, but it, what I'm wondering is like, if you're CZ, why do you have to do these like legal action, legal activities, illegal activities? Well, I, yeah, I'm in the camp of it's unlikely CZ would be CZ if he wasn't like doing like mm. unethical violation of of rules and such potentially so, so Binance I, probably wouldn't be as big as it is well i i'm so brian armstrong ceo of coinbase he's doing everything right at least from what we can tell <laughs> right at least from what we can tell <laughs> okay right let's assume that he is yeah. right yeah. so you're saying that brian armstrong cz corrupt doing things illegally as a result of that corruption, he's eight times bigger than Coinbase. Is that what you're saying? I think it probably accelerated that. That I I don't think it's just like the delivery of like a of a of an optimal UI UX that resulted in eighty yeah. percent of market dominance, right? I think yeah, there's some it, other like back end forces and back end manipulation at play. Yeah, that that, that 
that creates that type of like a you know you don't think it's like um like catering to like markets like in china you know they got oh, three I'm times sure. the market size that probably has a lot to do with it too i yeah. i don't know i mean I, I definitely can't like specify as far as like what exactly did they do to lead sure. up to that kind of like again market dominance you know but but, yeah, but I, I, to I, me it's like dude all you got to do is just stay clean and you're still going to make a lot of money <laughs> i just don't understand why be go beyond that threshold i mean yeah this is probably another um recognition of like uh, a major flaw in human psychology Probably, it's yeah. like the whole greed thing right there's a reason why that shit's in the bible dude it's like <laughs> one of the uh yeah. seven deadly sins right yeah 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 i mean this is like a this is like a persistent like uh it is humanity it, it's crazy it always rears its ugly head dude like yeah i don't think in most cases you're just not able to like defeat that demon yeah greed it seems like it. i mean evidence suggests you're right yeah right it's, yeah all right, guys. Finally, that's it. We talked about DMT and CZ. Let mm-hmm. us know your thoughts. Um, you know, we appreciate the support from everyone, and and then we take all feedback seriously. So, um, so yeah, just let us know everything. Yeah. You know, all your thoughts and yeah, um, and it's a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. You know, to all you. Uh, is, is Thanksgiving just an American? It's holiday? an American phenomenon. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it's celebrated maybe abroad, just like out of fun, just, just for funsies, yeah. but. Yeah, if you're, you know, celebrating, you know, spend some time with your family this weekend. Yeah. And uh yeah, dude, when we come back, it's uh, <laughs> who knows what the what the NAT mint cat's going to look like and yeah. uh what the ecosystem support's going to look like and you know, the the hate mail's going to look like and yeah. such, but but we'll be right back here and reporting on it all, dude. Like nothing's going to change, you know. Ordinals is still Yeah. our focus. We think this whole the Bitcoin thesis is strong. Yeah. The metaverse thesis is strong. Stronger. The metaverse now. on Bitcoin is strong. Yeah, like yeah, we're we got a lot to talk about, dude. So excited yeah. for the future for sure. Yeah. All right. I totally agree. Normal outro, dude. Sorry. Yeah. Just thank you guys. All right, that's it for us. Appreciate. It. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. There's going to be more drops, more updates, all kinds of stuff. And um, yeah, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, and we will catch you in the next podcast. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Blockrunner podcast. Make sure you visit our website, theblockrunner.com, and sign up to stay up to date on the latest in crypto. Also, reach out to us on Twitter at theblockrunner. <laughs>